strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! We all have questions. The entire league wants to know. Wolf, they demand answers, and we're starting to get them slowly but surely. Derek Carr to the Saints. Geno Smith staying with the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. <laughs> D-Hop traded? Imminent? Zach Allen, Byron Murphy, how about Kelvin Beach and Will Hernandez? What is their future as the key marquee Cardinals free agents? These answers are starting. We even just got the answer on the comp picks for the Arizona Cardinals in the 2023 draft. So all that combined with everything we saw at the Combine and what's been going on. In fact, Wolf, if you don't bring it in this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford, and momentarily it'll star Lorenzo Alexander, former Cardinal. If you don't bring it in this edition, Ron Wolfley, I'm just going to start reading the Combine results from Anthony Richardson. Because I think those are entertaining. When the guy has bigger hands than DeAndre, Hopkins yes what what yes really that is that is incredible right there Paulie honestly Anthony Richardson this is a guy it's it's combine it's combine time and this is a guy that I think is going to benefit greatly from the combine I've heard some cuts on him that are just laugh out loud funny right now scouts talking about him coaches talking about Anthony Richardson so many of them saying this guy his traits his traits his traits are incredible but then you watch the film and you wonder, <laughs> you know, and that's the combine and that is the conundrum. Hey, Rich Eisen show earlier this week quoted a rumor that Eisen, the, uh, the chair of all the combine coverage on NFL Network, where he says he's hearing scouts saying and personnel guys saying they wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Richardson goes number one <laughs> overall. And you know what? That's good for business if you're the Arizona Cardinals because yes. our, our marketing mantra is AZ needs three. You need three quarterbacks (laughs) up top. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, hopefully Anthony Richardson, and then the Cardinals have a choice. Do they take, oh, maybe a Will Anderson who would still be on the board, or they trade out? We'll get into all that. Right now, let's talk about where the Cardinals are as of this week, as of the last couple of days, uh, as Jonathan Gannon, the brand-new head coach, was introducing his brand-new assistants. And we do mean brand new, a lot of new names and faces and a lot of college experience mixed with some NFL experience on this staff. And here's the head coach on the makeup of his staff. I feel really good about the experience in this room. Um, Guys that have done their job at a very high level. Guys that were, there was no doubt in my mind after talking to them for however long I talked to them that they were ready to take the next step. Um, And uh, that's kind of... You know how I made decisions with the staff is I was looking for the right coaches and the fit of that um, all together, uh, who are the best coaches for the Cardinals, and that's what we did. 
If a team takes on the identity of its head coach, I, I tell you what, this staff takes on the personality of Jonathan Gannon, a lot of energy in that room, and a lot of youth. Twelve coaches under the age of 40, Ron Wolfley. What, yeah. what, what do you make of all that? You know, it, it's it's amazing, Bully. It really is. A lot of young coaches right now getting the opportunity to come into the National Football League, stay in the National Football League, of course, and develop. And to me, it's very, very exciting. And the reason why I say that, Paulie, is because the head coach is really important. There's no doubt about it. You, the, the head coach to a young player has a huge impact on him as a pro. But in terms of being a better player, your position coach has a bigger impact on you than an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and a head coach. Most of the time, generally speaking, Bully, that position coach is going to be so vital in the development of a younger player. And that's what I can't wait to see here. These position coaches, of course, that he has assembled and the impact they're going to have on this team. And I would imagine, Bully, I don't know about you, but... But I would imagine this team is probably going to get younger over the next couple of seasons. Absolutely. And you know what? This staff will reflect that. And this staff shouldn't have any problem relating to those younger players because it is a younger staff. But they have the benefit of being very experienced at the college level, a lot of them. And here's Jonathan Gannon talking about that. I think that the expertise that some college guys have is they've lived in that world of how to exploit a defense or how to defend certain quarterbacks with certain skill sets like that. So there's a reason why pro coaches every spring have college staffs come in and they clinic them, teach us this. So, uh, you know, and that goes on pretty regularly. So uh, very happy how this staff came together with the different uh, types of expertise that, that we brought in. Isn't that interesting? Only recently have I come to realize the extent at which High school football can impact college, and then the college game and mm-hmm. schemes can impact the NFL. It sort of trickles up in a way. Yeah, Paulie, very interesting cut right there from Jonathan Gannon because I agree with what he said, but I will tell you right now that I think over the last couple of seasons, we've seen that pendulum swing about as far right to the new age, the new offense, the new age offense, and the college offense, and I think it's swinging back more towards the middle right now, Paulie. This is something I've talked to you about, I think, there, there are people that are starting to believe that you have to blend the old and the new together. It's, it's something I've been talking about for three years. I think it's what the Arizona Cardinals have got to do. It's one of the reasons why Jonathan Gannon came here and said, we got to take Kyler Murray and put him more under center. That's where this offense can evolve the most, and I agree with him 100%. So I think that pendulum is coming back just a little bit. What's interesting is you talk to a lot of these position coaches, and some coaches, you know, there's some knowns. They have guys in the room. Other coaches, if you're the offensive line coach, I mean, think about who's under contract. D.J. Humphreys, Josh Jones, and then the two rookies from a year ago, Lasita Smith, Marquise Hayes, that's it. You know, you look at, uh, for example, Patrick Toney, the DB's coach. Okay, he's got his two stalwart safeties there in Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. And then you have a Marco Wilson. But there's a lot to be determined for in that defensive backfield. So the question to Patrick Toney, the new DB's coach, and last year was co-defensive coordinator at Florida, what exactly the coach is doing right now? I think we're all catching up on the current personnel on our team. Obviously, you got to know your roster first. Uh, doing a good job watching the personnel around the league. You know, everyone. You know, I want to 
see what everyone's doing in the league, um, you know, studying college prospects to prepare for the draft, and then as well as as a defensive staff getting together and, you know, coming together, collaborating on how we're going to put this thing together with Coach Rollis, Coach Gannon, you know, so it's been a lot of fun. And, and remember, as a new staff, you get extra time in the offseason. So when April gets going, you're going to be out on that grass. You're going to have extra time to work with some of the players, your free agent acquisitions. And I know, Wolf, I mean, what comes to mind do you think is most critical for this new staff to instill once they actually get the players in the building? Yeah, that is a great that is a great question, Paulie, right now. And once again, I think uh, Nick Rollis, of course, and Drew Petzing, the two coordinators, are really going to have an awful lot to do with setting the tone as to what kind of schemes you want to run, what kind of schemes you project players actually fitting into and excelling in, what kind of schemes, and what kind of player that you're looking for. I think they're going to set the tone going forward here. And even though the position coaches can have a bigger impact on a guy's career, these coordinators right now are going to have to find guys that fit into their scheme or take that scheme and and blend it with the talent that you actually have on the roster right now. But um, the next couple of weeks will be huge in in the type of players, of course, that you're going to identify. And they've already done this, Paul. They've sat around the big rectangle. They know what kind of free agent they're going to look for and go after and try to actually sign. And when it comes to the draft, a lot of these coaches come from the college game. And so the personnel guys will go over to the college coaches, hey, did you match up against player X at any point in the last two or three years? And so they can give benefit there. And then if I'm a defensive coach, this is just me thinking out loud, I'm spending time watching the Rams offense and the 49ers offense, getting to know Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And then Geno Smith is back in Seattle. So I'm guessing you got to familiarize yourself, if you're new to the team, with the division, right? Especially if you're a defensive coach, yeah. looking at these offenses coming your way. The biggest thing, though, Pauline, you already touched on this, is actually these position coaches getting to know their guys, the guys that are coming back. I think of Clayton Adams, the new offensive line coach. You mentioned DJ Humphreys and Josh Jones. There, you mentioned that the, this is going to be an overhaul on that offensive line right now. Boy, that is going to be a, a good thing for Clayton Adams to go out and get the type of individual he wants for that offensive line, the offensive line he envisions, along with Drew Petzing and J.J. Hey, we mentioned the comp picks. It's official. Cardinals get a third-round pick for Christian Kirk. They get a fifth-rounder for Chandler Jones and a sixth-rounder for the departure of Chase Edmonds. Lorenzo Alexander is next on the Big Red Rage. Shotgun set for Matt Ryan. Has it. Drops the pass. Looks deep. Instead, he is sacked, and he goes down to the 25-yard line. And Alexander there for Arizona. Bradford takes, throws to the right, batted down, incomplete. Lorenzo Alexander got a paw on it, knocked it down. And it was knocked down. Lorenzo Alexander doing a good job being alert. That was a smart play by Alexander. Pressure in the pocket, and Brady goes down. Lorenzo Alexander took a swipe at the ball and then came down for the second sack of the night. You know, Wolf, if only we could talk to a guy 
who could hit on all the headlines. You know, I mean, a former Cardinal who's been there and done that. You know, he's played for a first-year head coach. He knows all about getting pressure on the quarterback. He's gone to a Pro Bowl with 12 and a half sacks. You know, it's the Cardinals' biggest need. He's been through free agency in the draft process, right? I mean, was was even teammates with Aaron Rodgers once upon a time. And, we uh, get it, Paul. You know, might have an opinion or two on accountability, you know, the big buzzword this offseason. Who might that – Lorenzo Alexander <laughs> might be the guy who joins us now in the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Zoe, what's going on? I'm doing good, man. Uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, always happy to talk ball with you guys. So you also got paid, did you not? You got paid, didn't you? Yeah, I got paid a couple of times. You know, <laughs> you know how they treat special teamers, though. They didn't pay me like they should have paid me, but it's all good. You know, I, relatively speaking, you know, I, I you know I had a great career, uh, blessed multiple times, so. Uh, no regrets on my end at all. Yeah, it's why he's coaching. Dude. It's why he's coaching new sports right now by design. His own kids, Wolf. You know, gives him that luxury to do as Beautiful. much, right? Exactly. It's all right. So tell us about the whole dynamic of playing for a first-year head coach. Let's start with that. Once upon a time, yeah. 2013, you came in with Bruce Arians. Cardinals are starting right. anew with Jonathan Gannon. You know, what do you think? Maybe his biggest challenges, or what's most critical for Gannon? Let me take it a step further, Paulie. I've probably played for four first-time, you know, head coaches or first or new head coaches. You know, wow. I think about Jim Zorn. I had Jim Zorn when I was in Washington. Obviously, Mike Shanahan had done it a long time in um, in Denver, but he was the first-time head coach as far as Washington. I had to do deal with obviously BA being the first-time head coach, and then Sean McDermott. So actually, three first-time head coaches, wow. and I had to go through the process four different times. So. Um, I'm definitely uh, well in, in, in depth as far as the, the process and, and what that looks like. And the biggest thing from a player's perspective, it all depends. You know, if you're a young guy, you know, a bubble guy, you just put your head down and just trying to make an impression as far as what you need to do uh, as far as to make the football team. You know, you can care about all the politics and how what the scheme is. You're just trying to look out for yours and, and make sure that you have a spot at the end of the day when camp is over. But as you get older – as you begin to, to grow in this league and right, and you create some type of stability, right? And Wolf understands this. You know, when you're a special team or a low draft guy, you never really quite get comfortable. Yep. But obviously, some guys are more comfortable than others. Um, and you're really looking at um, the consistency of the head coach, right? He talks about um, culture, uh, people, um, things that he's going to implement. And so, how does that look like, you know, from top down? Is he holding the the best player on the team the same way he's holding the the, 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 the bubble guys accountable, right? Is there is there continuity there? And we all know that player in the tree is slightly different, but at the core, is everybody held to the same uh, standard? Um, how how does how is he able to um, impact the room when he walks in there and gives a speech, right, or lays down his standard? Are people locked in? Are people taking him serious? Are people understanding what he's communicating, right? Because there's a big big gap between you having a vision, uh, you having certain principles that you want to implement, and then being able to communicate those well so that players receive it uh, and adopt it for their own, you know, well-being so that they can kind of um, embody who you are and reflect who you are as a head coach. And those are probably the top two things um, that you look for initially. And then as a player, you know, how does he handle uh, adversity when it happens? Because coaches always say, hey, be calm, you know, you know, never too high, never too low, but when their feet are held to the fire, when they make a mistake, 
how do they respond themselves and actually embody the, the message that they've been giving off. So um, I think that's kind of the, the maybe the top three things. And there's obviously a, a ton of other things that you can look at as well. But those are the things that I, I tend to gravitate to when I went to those different transitions for myself. So, Zoe, Jonathan Gannon, of course, has put together his coaching staff right now. And I know that it's different with each player. But from your experience, did a head coach have a bigger impact on your career or did a position coach have a bigger impact on your career? Wow. Um, I would say when I was younger, it was definitely the, the, the position coach because that's who I spent the most time with. Yep. Um, that's who impacted me every day, right? That's who was correcting me. That's who really got to know maybe me more intimately because obviously he's just worried about, you know, depending on what room you're in, um, maybe three to, to 12 guys versus the head coach is more worried about the collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, and then the head coaches tend to gravitate towards the leaders and captains of the team. So as I got older, um, right, especially when I ended in Buffalo, uh, in my age, me and Sean were a lot closer. It was more like an older brother age gap versus a father-son age gap. Yeah. So when I got to Buffalo, Sean had a much more greater impact just based on who I was and where I was in that phase of my life, being able to play until I was 36, 37. And, but uh, to answer your question generally, it's the, it's the position coaches. And so you want to make mm-hmm. sure those guys really know how to coach ball, really know how to communicate your message, and are going to keep guys accountable to the standard that you've kind of set forth as a head coach. Hey, when Nick Rowless showed up, right, 29 years of age, the Cardinals defensive coordinator, he was younger than 15 players who were on the roster (laughs) at that time. Think about that. Lorenzo Alexander is our guest on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, 15 years in the league, two-time Pro Bowler. So I'm putting it to you. I'm just going for the juggler right now. Cardinals are sitting there at number three, and they're weighing Will Anderson, or a big haul from a team wanting to trade up and take, oh, I don't know, Anthony Richardson. Just throw that name out there. I asked Drew Stan the same question earlier this week, former yeah. Cardinals quarterback. He said, I'm taking Will Anderson every time. I don't care about two more first-round right. picks. What do you say? Yeah. It, it, it comes down to, and, and, you know, I'm not a college guy. I haven't watched a ton. I hear the names right. Will Anderson is, is, is a big buzz name for everybody around the country. And so if you believe that he's in the same elk as Tom Miller and Aaron Donald and he's a generational-type player, you take him. I mean, it's just it's, it's, there's no way you can make up for those type of players uh, with multiple picks. But I also see the Buffalo Bills trade back, right, and pick up Josh Allen and trade Tremaine Edmonds. Two high-quality mm. picks, right? They, mm-hmm. weren't thought, they weren't seen as generational players, but those guys help establish um, the Buffalo Bills culture, right, and have, have made them a perennial playoff team and a contender for the last four or five years. So if you're able to do something like that, if you don't see Will Anderson – um, as the generational type guy, maybe there's another D lineman or maybe a corner that is just as impactful, but maybe doesn't have the same buzz. And you feel like you can get him at maybe you know ten or eleven, and you pick up another first round pick in the process. Maybe maybe you do that as well. So um, I mean, there's two ways to look at it, but it always comes down to how you evaluate the guy. And if he is head and shoulders better than the rest, and he's projected to be you know uh, uh, let's say a twelve to 16 sack guy a year, you got to take that guy because at the end of the day, impacting the QB at a high rate is what helps defenses, especially in this day and age of the NFL. So, Zoe, as you look at the Arizona Cardinals getting ready to go into free agency, the legal tampering, of course, it looms, does it not? It is coming up here quickly. Where do you see the Arizona? 
What's that? <laughs> yeah, right. The combine. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where it's happening. You got that right. But you, you know how that goes. But, you know, as you look at it right now, what do you think the general strategy is going to be for the Arizona Cardinals going into this free agent period? Um, you know, looking at where where uh, the coaching staff has come from and what they had um, in Philly, uh, and, and even hearing Kelvin speak yesterday on, on uh, the other day on on the radio, um, you know, you're looking for veteran guys that can, can obviously that can help you establish uh, your culture. But you know, I'm looking at interior or the interior, the front, the lines, right? Can I be? How can I dominate? the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the reason why they made it to the championship game last year is because they were able to do that at a high rate better than anybody else, pretty much other than 85 Bears, right? It's on the defensive side. And that big old line was balling folks. So you're trying to identify guys like that, I think, because that's where it starts. But then you also want to make sure that you have pros, right? Kelvin Beecham's. you got to get a couple of those guys yeah. in here to help, to help you – Get your culture to where you want it to be collectively from top from top down that are going to really uh, be able to communicate in the locker room what you want. And so you, you'll probably see a couple of Eagles. I know when I went to Buffalo, we had, it felt like we were um, uh, the Panthers of the North, right? We had about four or five Panthers, and every year they felt like yep. they were bringing a new Carolina Panther. But that's because Sean knew those guys, right? He, he understood that they knew his culture, they knew his way, and they helped – the assimilation process into this new regime and new culture. And so if you can add a couple of guys like that, obviously uh, guys around the league, I remember we brought in Micah Hyde, Jordan Poirier, Tyson Buffalo, right, that were, were probably, they weren't uh, household names, but they've turned into them. So being able to identify guys like that that are on the cusp where other teams can't maybe pay them but are ready to take that leap, but then are also great professionals. So that's that's kind of what they're probably looking at right now, see if there's any of those type of guys out there that they can take advantage of being on free agent market. See, and that alleviates, I think, the big fear of free agency. You may not know a guy, but if you have a coach who's actually familiar with that player mm-hmm. and he comes from, like, that coach's former team, you know, the Cardinals took a big swing and missed on Jordan Phillips a couple of years ago trying to bolster that defensive line. So, I mean, in general, right. how risky is free agency, in your opinion? I mean, it's it's risky to a stand. I mean, I, and I tell you, man, most people know players, right? And I think a lot of times you, uh, when a mistake is made is because you get enamored with the potential of what a guy can do and not what he showed you that who he is and what he's done, right? And and sometimes uh, a guy's able to thrive in one area and may have some character issues because of the support system around him. But when Jordan was brought here, for that example, he was asked to lead. I don't know if he was ready to do that, right? I think at Buffalo, we, he wanted to lead with that Kyle Williams in that room. And myself, we had some other guys where he can just be himself and do what he can do. So you have to make sure if you're asking a guy to change his role from a leadership standpoint, if he has some, you know, some football character issues, um, is he ready to be that guy now, right? And I think oftentimes we, we bring in guys and we ask them to be something that they're necessarily not ready for or haven't grown into. And so that is always, a, I think, the biggest thing when you look at free agents that typically don't work out. Are you using them the same way, or do you have a different vision? And then it's great to be the leader that you need to be. Um, and then there's just some guys you should never bring in just because of 
of, of you know, past history of bad things happening or injuries happening, but you say, well, yeah, I'm a great coach, I can fix it. Well, probably not if it's been an issue everywhere that player has been. So, Zoe, um, I'm going to ask you a producer question right now okay <laughs> the good news is for the arizona cardinals yeah the good news is they can sign all four of the next guys that i'm telling you about but a producer is going to say if you could have one <laughs> that you would want signed who would it be zach allen calvin beecham byron murphy or will hernandez just one so i'm gonna have to go with man man you always and, 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 and I'm, I'm stuck between Zach Allen and, and, and Kelvin. And, <laughs> Kelvin's my guy. I know what type of impact he has on that team. And I don't quite know what type of leader Zach Allen is. But um, he's younger. you got to go with right. Zach Allen. That's well, all right. No, see, I'm not. I'm, see, because I'm, I'm biased, too, because I was that guy. Just because the guy is younger, but you're thinking about production on the field. See, I'm thinking about the, how does a, uh, how does a, um, a team work internally. You move a, a Kelvin Beecham from off that team and you open up several different holes that you want to count for but all you worried about is who's going to be attacking the quarterback on the on the, on Sunday but that may not even matter because there's a lack of leadership in, in the locker room and you're 4 and 12 right and so it's not as easy or clear cut as that so we I think you know sometimes when you build a team you can't always go with oh, who's younger or who's going to put the most production especially when you're dealing with a guy like Kelvin B and in the league for I don't know what he is now um, has is a is a is a stronghold as a left tackle, right tackle, play that you play is going to lead other guys, going to help get other guys on board and to play above himself. That stuff matters. And then you'd be like, man, we got back out. We missed something. Yeah. What's going on? Why is our team not the way it is? Oh, so. let Kelvin go. You are the best, man. <laughs> We're going to let you go because you got to call your former teammate Aaron Rodgers, tell him to make a decision because the whole league year <laughs> is hinging on Aaron Rodgers. He's the domino where everything's going to fall. So, Zoe, thank you very much for the time. We'll talk to you down the road. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Boy, what a good job at the point of attack right there. It seemed like D.J. Humphreys got a nice block. Huge hole. Great job by D.J. Humphreys at the point. Who has that look in their eye of no back down? You know, that's the, that's the part I think I'm looking forward to most. When that fight or flight comes, who's going to swing and who's going to run? You know what I mean? I want a bunch of swingers. So I'm interested. That sounded weird. I'm sorry. That was, that was strange. That was so strange. I, I, want, I want a bunch of fighters. I should have said I want a bunch of fighters. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I said, though, that, that's the part I'm looking forward to most, not the swinging part. That was, that was a little strange. I'm sorry, guys. We bleeped that out. <laughs> he wants fighters, not swingers. He wants to specify that. <laughs> Former player host of the Big Red Rage, DJ Humphreys, who really doesn't need the media or the either one of us, really. I mean, he just sort of, his personality sort of carries things on its own, as you saw right there. Love the percussion and the deep bass because that kind of – Kind of sums up DJ Humphrey's game over there at left tackle. Does it not, Ron Wolfley? I mean, yes, you know, especially they, this beautiful part of the program, too, yeah. Paulie. I mean, we're talking O line. Some base, man. Yep, talking O line. You're talking DJ Humphrey. Special thanks, Lorenzo Alexander. And what sort of teammate would you like? Because I tell you what, it's fill in the blanks from left to right. You got your left tackle and a lot of undecided, undetermined positions and names right now. What do you think, Monty Asifor, Jonathan Gannon, what sort of offensive line are they eyeing? 
Boy, that is, Paul, it is so interesting to me. I I don't know what it is. I know that they obviously have an idea as to what the offense is going to look like, and that means they have an idea as to what the schemes are going to look like as well. I I think of the Cleveland Browns. I think of Drew Petzing coming from the Cleveland Browns, Paulie, and I think of their offense and their offensive line specifically. I think, this is just my opinion, I think the Cleveland Browns, Brown's offensive line is the best offensive line in the AFC. I think overall, I'd say the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is the best in the NFL. But to me, in the AFC, I would say that the Cleveland Browns had the best offensive line. And that is fascinating to me because, Paulie, that offense blended the old and the new. And they did it as well as anybody in the National Football League. Is that what they're going to try to reproduce here? I don't know. I tell you, the importance of the O-line has never been greater or maybe more evident than this last season. Think about it. Philadelphia is in the Super Bowl. Kansas City, what did they do from the loss in the AFC Championship game to their Super Bowl victory? They fixed the offensive line. Obviously, quarterback, and they get to the quarterback. I know with Kansas City, but they fixed the offensive line. That was a liability. You look at a team like the Colts drafting right behind the Cardinals. What's the difference between the Colts team this past season and like two years ago? The offensive line yes. went from one of the best to one of the worst. And so DJ Humphreys obviously is the answer right now. The franchise left tackle. In fact, Jonathan Gannon, new on the job, already knows enough to say as much about DJ Humphreys. I have a very high opinion of DJ. I know Clayton and Chris are ready to work with him. Uh, he's been a really good player for a long time. Uh, had to go against them a couple different times, and he's a, he's a tough matchup for outside edge players in the pass and run game. So, uh, and he's got phenomenal football character. And, uh, you know, he's a guy I've already leaned on since I've been in the job to gain some information and pick his brain a little bit. And uh, he's been great with me. So excited that he's on the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen some of the all-access video of the new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, talking with DJ Humphreys on Cardinals Flight Plan. You can check it out on the YouTube channel. Here's the other thing. To me, this is just me, the underrated position. If you're going to target someone or something in free agency and go big, I would look at center. Wolf, did we not get Mm -hmm. a a renewed value and what an elite center does for a team in that one year, the first year of Rodney Hudson, he really just elevated the entire offense, did he not? No, he did, Paulie. There's no doubt. You're right about that. And it's one of the reasons why, and we've talked about this name, but Ethan Posick, Mm. the center for the Cleveland Browns, um, he's a free agent. Ethan Posick, it's interesting because Nick Harris was their starting center, but he got hurt in the first preseason game, I believe. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was the first preseason game. Got hurt, and then Ethan Posick took over, a guy that had been in the league uh, five years um, that this was his sixth year this past season of course but he'd been in the league five years with the Seattle Seahawks he actually took over as center and did an outstanding job at center right now I know the Cleveland Browns want him back but that's a guy right there if you were going to say we're going to go out and we're going to get a a pros pro maybe not a big name maybe not a guy that is going to break the bank but we're going to get a pro we're going to get a guy that won't get our quarterback killed that's going to go out there and do the job and know what to do and be prepared, Ethan Posick would be that center to me, Paul. And he's in his prime. He's a former second-round pick 2017, and he has a connection to the new offensive coordinator, 
Drew Petzing, right? Yes, exactly. And you know what also, too, Paul, I want to say this, because we were talking about it momentarily in the last beautiful part of the program. Actually, it was the first beautiful part of the program, but Clayton Adams. Clayton Adams is the the offensive line coach for the Arizona Cardinals. And what's so interesting about this, there's a lot of, would you say there's open spots on the offensive line, Paulie? It's would almost, say- it's, almost <laughs> five, it's like five-card pickup. Maybe make it four-card pickup. I mean, Paulie, they are going to rebuild this offensive line, and, and Clayton Adams can actually try to have some say on the types of individuals he wants to coach and the types of players he wants to bring in because he wants to run this kind of scheme. Whatever scheme that may be, he's going to be able to kind of mold that offensive line, and I think that's really a rarity for a position coach. Well, Jonathan Gannon, the head coach, has been asked, what type of offensive lineman are you looking for? We have a, a skill set that we're looking for from all you know the inside guys and the outside guys. And uh, I know this, we want high football character guys that love to play football, and, they, and they're going to be tough guys. And um, we want guys that finish people, uh, move people, and uh, probably the number one job, as I learned, better keep that quarterback upright. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I know with the Eagles, they had a saying, it was, went something like this, you pass to score points, you run it to win. And so yes. <laughs> if that's the mentality, they're going to need the physicality up front. Yeah, and Paulie, just think about what you just said right there. You just described the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> winning yep. the Super Bowl. You just described it right there, what it was they were doing. But don't get me sidetracked, okay, Paulie? Don't do that because, once again, going back to Drew Petzing, who's coming here is as the offensive coordinator coming from Cleveland. That Cleveland offensive line, Paul, they ran a very physical scheme with Nick Chubb. Now, Paul, I'm just saying Nick Chubb is is a is maybe the best running back in the National Football League. Elite. You could build you could build yes, Polly. Elite. You could build an argument that says he is one of the best, if not the best, running back in the league. You know what? James Conner is also a big dude who can run downhill. And I'm wondering if they're not going to go out and try to get guys like Wyatt Teller and Joel Bitonio. I'm wondering if they're not going to go out and try to get some guys who are very good in terms of the tackle zone and coming off the ball and taking their gut and sticking it all over some guy and moving the gut with their butt, Paul. That, to me, is what I'm waiting to see. I can't wait to see the fingerprint of Monty Ossenfort is going to be all over this team based on how he builds that offensive line and the defensive line. And then that will dictate the scheme. At least that was the answer from Jonathan Gannon when he was asked about what sort of offense the Cardinals might run. Yeah, as we're going through scheme meetings, you know, you start putting up a blueprint of how you want to play and the people that we uh, know are going to be here, you start taking that into account. But that, that takes some time. That's a process out on the grass in the meeting room. You know, we have some ways that we want to play offense, defense, and teams, but that will adapt when it, the, the dust settles and we see who's lining up in a Cardinals jersey. So uh, we will tailor fit our schemes and how we play on, on all three phases to the people that we have. And there's no doubt. It'll be a learning process. There's going to be a lot of new players. It's a new staff. 
But at the same time, Wolf, there has to be things that you do well. That's your identity, right? I mean, there's going right. to be a base defense. There's got to be a go-to on offense, right? Those base set of plays where you're like, look, it doesn't matter if you know what's coming or not. We're going to run these and execute them. Yes, Paulie. I, I think just listening to J.J. right there, he's so right on the money. He's, he's right, especially in that first year. When you come in, Paulie, you, you've got to find out what you have. What do we have under contract? This guy is a good football player. Okay, maybe he's not the perfect right guard for the kind of scheme we'd like to run, but this guy's a good football player, so we'll go ahead and we'll run schemes that he does well, right? And then as you start to get into the next year, you start looking for guys that will run the schemes you feel most comfortable with. So I think early on, you're trying to say, hey, we're going to run the scheme that our players can execute. But as you develop a team, I think you're starting to look for guys that can run the schemes you like. And if you remember the first year for Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, when they showed up in Philadelphia, that team started in 2021. It was a four-win team. They started out two and five, two and six, and then they made a big run over the last two months of the season. Ended up into the playoffs. Yeah. So there's that transition and transformation period. Hey, join the season ticket priority list. Select your seats before the general public. How about the opponents this year coming to town? The Cowboys, the Ravens, the Falcons, the Bengals, the Giants. Go to azcardinals.com/priority-list for more info. More Big Red Rage right after this. Jackson, play action, throws complete. Hollywood Brown has it at the 30. Leg rakes in the end zone. They won't catch him. Touchdown, Ravens. Down the middle of the field looking for Hollywood Brown. He's got him. Dolphins 30. Leg race 20. And he's going to score. Hollywood Brown. Going deep down the middle. He's got Snead in the end zone. Touchdown. Willie Snead on the receiving end. Jackson backs up, slings it to the back of the end zone. He's got Miles Boykin. Touchdown, Ravens. Jackson on the play fake. Throws to Ricard in the goal line. And the fullback is in for the touchdown. Unbelievable. He throws his fifth touchdown of the afternoon. How about that? Ravens radio, Jerry Sandusky right there. One of a trio of five touchdown games in his 2019 MVP campaign. Lamar Jackson, one of six players who got the franchise tag this year. Ron Wolfley, Deron Payne, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Lamar Jackson, who gets the non-exclusive franchise tag. Meaning, effective next Wednesday, some team can come in potentially get a deal done with him, two first-round picks, and if the Ravens don't match, then boom, a former MVP quarterback in his prime might change teams by this time next week. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, Paulie. No, let me just go back to the people that actually got tagged. Um, Six guys, three of them running backs. Paul, would you ever have expected that three running backs got the franchise tag? They just don't know how to value him. It's so hard. Do you want to pay a running back long term? The shelf life is so short, seemingly. It's so easy to get another one in the draft, but then you value the one you have. I think there's just confusion on what to do about a a running back long term, so they end up with a short-term deal. Yeah, and not only that, Paul, I also think, too, because the the cost of a franchise running back isn't prohibitive in any way shape or form and because of that i think it's like this guy is really really good let's keep him let's put the tag on him because it's not going to kill us now with lamar jackson very very interesting that he doesn't get the exclusive tag 
he got the the non-exclusive tag, of course, but it's a tag nonetheless, and it's something that we may not see the end of yet with Lamar Jackson. That's only one season. Who knows what else he could have. And then you have the quarterback taken after Kyla Murray in the 2019 draft. Daniel Jones went number six overall and had a stellar campaign last season. He gets four years, $160 million, at least according to the agent. Uh, in terms of the real guaranteed cash, it might be more like, uh, according to at least the sports business people, uh, it's going to be far less than that. But he got paid. Daniel Jones, Geno Smith stays in Seattle, Pete Carroll saying, oh, that doesn't preclude us from taking a quarterback at number five. But Geno Smith got paid as well, Ron Wolfley. So the Cardinals will see Geno Smith twice a year for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Uh, Geno Smith being back, that is amazing. If you look at the last five games that he played, he was really up and down in those five games. Um, Yet at the same time, he had a great year. I don't want to diminish him in any way, shape, or form. But I, I thought they did. Did give him an awful lot, especially in guarantees where you're talking about 40, 50 million, somewhere in there. Uh, Daniel Jones, I was really, really surprised they put the franchise tag on him. They couldn't get something done with him. But the big one of all the quarterbacks right now, I, I, I can't believe Aaron Rodgers might actually take the Brett Favre path and go to New York just as Brett Favre did. What are the odds of that, Paul? That blows me away. Well, speaking of odds, I think I saw a stat where all of a sudden the favorite in states that you can legally wager the Jets are all of a sudden the new Super Bowl favorite by fans, at least by betting handle, by where people are putting their money. So they fully (laughs) expect Aaron Rodgers to go to the Jets. And you know what? That is a loaded roster, is it not? Yes. And we talked about this before. Once upon a time when Brett Favre went to the Jets, a la this same scenario, and the Cardinals played and lost badly to Brett Favre and the Jets that year, that team was really good. They started like 9-3 and and then Brett Favre got hurt. And the bottom fell out, but, man, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Look out. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's just amazing. That is a roster that I think is ready to win right now if they were to get the likes of an Aaron Rodgers. But can I also go back to Derek Carr, Paul? Derek Carr as well. Um, going to New Orleans. This, to me, is very interesting because I see Dennis Allen as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints And to me, I see a guy that wants to get back to a little bit more of what Sean Payton was doing with the Saints. I'm talking about Sean Payton before he walked away from the Saints, going back to something a little bit more traditional. I think that's the offense Dennis Allen wants to get back to, and I think Derek Carr is the guy that can do that. And I think they're going to give the keys to the offense to Derek Carr. What we hear in Vegas, especially that Week Two game where the Raiders led twenty to nothing, that Josh McDaniels didn't give Derek Carr a lot of room to operate and make decisions at the line of scrimmage and change plays. At least David Carr, his brother on NFL Network, has said as much. So. We'll see. What is Derek Carr at 31 years of age and four Pro Bowls under his belt? What can he do for that Saints offense? And what's also interesting is you're now hearing trade rumors out of L.A. and the Rams that the Rams are thinking about actually trading Matthew Stafford, to which the GM Les Snead stepped in today and said, no, we're not trading Matthew (laughs) Stafford. These reports were trading Cooper Cup and or Aaron Donald. Not going to happen. Okay, of course, he's not saying anything about the other reports where Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, or Allen Robinson might get dealt from the Rams because they're in cap hell right now. They are way over the cap. 
Yeah, they're way over the cap, and they have no picks whatsoever. <laughs> Think right. about that, Paul. Yeah. How does that make you yeah. feel? You know, but they're hey, in a tough spot. But you know, speaking of the division, getting back oh, to darn. Gino, get back to Geno Smith for a minute. Uh, you know, th- you're right. The last half dozen games, it was uneven, but on the season, he had 30 touchdowns. He had 11 yeah. picks. He led the league with a 70% completion percentage. He was a Pro Bowler. So now all of a sudden, between the Niners and that Rams team with Matthew Stafford coming back and then Geno Smith, hey, the NFC West is as formidable as it's ever been. Yeah, no, you're right, Paulie. Geno Smith, I'm a big fan of Geno Smith. I really am. Who, who doesn't love to see a comeback story? And that's exactly what he did. Coming back, of course, and playing the way that he did. He had an opportunity earlier in his career. He's been a lifelong backup for the most part, and then he got the opportunity to do it again, to start again, and he made the most of it. And I love it, Paul, because you know – it's West Virginia. It's West Virginia. The pride of every okay. mountain you know Just for that, I'm going to give you the rumor Michael Silver threw out there, and a few others have as well, that Brock Purdy, who hasn't had surgery yet on the elbow, if he's not back in time and they don't like Trey Lance and the way it's tracking, that some expect the Niners to place a call to Tom Brady. <laughs> How about that for the <laughs> NFC West? By the Just way. don't do it, Tommy. Don't do it. Check out Flight Plan, Episode 2. It's going to be next Wednesday at 7 p.m. That's right. It's all combine-driven. It is all access. There's a ride-along with the new GM, Monty Ossenfort, from Nashville to Indy. Think about that. Episode 1 of Cardinals Flight Plan on the Cardinals YouTube channel as we speak. Special thanks to Lorenzo Alexander, the former Cardinal, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher. For Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.